0: Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Today's message is called The Crossing. We're finishing, no, not finishing, we've got one more week after this. We're continuing our series called Faith of Our Fathers, talking about faith. I want to say a big shout out tonight to um, uh, Isaac and Christine visiting with us from Livo Community Church in the villages. They run the technology and some of the administrative ministries there, and they've been working with Proton. Proton's been helping them to upgrade their stuff and prepare for a new building. And as we prepare, help them with a the new building, we're believing for our own new building. Amen. Another seed faith opportunity. So give it up for Isaac and Christine. Would you guys stand up back there, just wave at everybody? New friends of ours. Thank you guys for being here. <clears throat> Mark chapter four is where we're going to begin tonight. It's um, I'm going to talk about the crossing. Some of you are familiar with this passage, but I've been seeing it a little different way the last few weeks and months. Um, Mark 4, 35, on the same day when evening had come, he turned, Jesus turned to them And said, let us, everybody say us. Oh, music to my ears. Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. It's curious. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke Jesus and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Would you pray with me one more time? God, would you open the eyes of our hearts And let your word come forth today to meet people where they are, to strengthen the feeble, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to be a covering of protection over your people in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the aspects of faith we've been talking about the last few weeks uh, is training your spirit to look for the silver lining. When God promises to make all things work together for good, he absolutely means it. And you've got to look for that, that good. You've got to look for the good. You've got to look at the working together for good. And it may take some time. It doesn't mean it's right away. The question is, will you trust God to fulfill that? Now, as we move forward, um, some of these great men of God behind me, and we just didn't have room for, you know, it's faith of our fathers, but we could also make it faith of our mothers for Mother's Day a couple weeks ago. But these People represent great things to us. Some, you know, obviously we didn't know the Apostle Paul personally, <laughs> a, a, except for uh, a couple of people in the room. But anyway, they're, they're mostly staying home tonight. But anyway, it's, anyway, the Apostle Paul, you know, all these different ones. But you know, two of these, uh, well, really three of them we had a relationship with, but two of them very specifically, and I want to talk about that for just for a moment. And that is Oral Roberts, I mentioned earlier about seed faith and Lester Sumrall. Um, In fact, let me, it's real interesting when you see this. So this is one of my prized possessions. This is one of my, this is something that I have saved for years that I'm going to save. This is a, in 1997, we were invited to a meeting um, with All Roberts, with just a few pastors. And if those of you, I talked to some people earlier said, you know, Or We've heard of Oral Roberts University, but Oral Roberts was a a great man of God, a real general of the faith. And this is a postcard, an authentic postcard from the 1950s that was part of building those huge tent crusades. You know, Oral Roberts is famous for, he personally laid hands on, documented, more than 2 million people that he laid his hands on. So much so he had shoulder problems in his later years because he laid his hands on so many people. Uh, when he was a young man uh, doing the, the, pre- the healing ministry, even, even in his 30s, his shoulders began to give him problems and they had to sit him in a chair and prop his hands up as he prayed for every person that would come to a five or 10,000 seat tent. Great man of God, built a great university in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but this postcard, he signed it, he autographed that postcard it's all preserved. This isn't just a framed thing. This is a, one of those preserved framed things. But my wife and I got time with Oral Roberts <clears throat> and one of the greatest things about him, he was so humble that at the dinner, I, they actually sat me next to him and he told jokes about himself that he'd heard. He, to, he said, yeah, I heard one one time that Billy Graham and Oral Roberts were playing golf together and that Billy Graham kept winning because Oral Roberts, every time he'd cut the ball, the hole would heal. (laughs) He told that joke of himself, can you come get that? Anyway, we're just so blessed to have relationship with these guys. Now, interestingly enough, both Oral Roberts and Lester Summerall were, they were about a year apart in age, but they went through an epidemic in 1917, no, excuse me, later on, closer to 1927, 28, something like that. They were both, saved and healed on their deathbeds with tuberculosis at the age of 17. Both of them. Or Roberts had a vision. He was from a family where his dad was completely unsaved and hated preachers. And his mom was a spirit-filled Christian when there weren't very many. And they, she was a praying woman. And Oral Roberts, uh, excuse me, uh, Lester Sumrall, was so tough, he was fighting everybody. And he, was, he got kicked out of school and when he quit school at the age of 16, within a year, he developed tuberculosis where he was he, on his, uh, his last legs. The doctor came in and said, um, say goodbye to him. He's going to die before morning. In fact, he said he's got about two hours. And while he's laying there, or Robert, uh, see, I keep going, Lester Sumrall's mother kept praying for him in this other room. And he could hear her even though he was kind of in and out. And all of a sudden, he turned his head and looked over. And one side of his bed, there was a giant coffin leaning up against a wall. And the spirit of God said, this is yours tonight. And they turned his head on the other side. He said, there was a Bible that went from the floor to the ceiling. It was a giant Bible. And God said, I've called you to preach the gospel. Your mother's been praying for you your whole life. And you have a choice to make tonight. And he said, he argued with God, even though he was dying and said, I'll make it tomorrow. I'll make a decision tomorrow. And God said, no, then your choice is already made. You're going to be in this box. And before he got up that night, now he didn't really get saved that night. He revealed in his book, he didn't really get saved that night. He just said, I'll preach. I'll preach as long as you keep me alive. And he didn't get saved until after he was preaching his first sermons. And he was just mad at people and just hated them, just preached them because he wanted to live. And he went home one night and had a vision of people waiting in the line going to hell. And it terrorized him and it worked in him and it changed his whole perspective of souls. And he had a love for souls. That night he really gave his life to, his heart to Jesus. And he, and, he, and he fell in love with the Lord and went on serving God from the time he was really 18 or 19 until he was 83 years old. He dedicated this building, as many of y'all know, about 10 or 11 weeks before he went to heaven in 1996. Right, when we got in this building, we didn't even have the building done, but we had him booked to come do the dedication. And he came and dedicated the building in, in about this spot, 1996. And then a few a few uh, weeks later, he was, he was gone. He was in heaven. It's real interesting when you start to see that you have an inheritance because of relationships. And that's kind of what I wanna talk about tonight. We have a bloodline of believing. We have a pedigree of perseverance. Great leaders are formed during difficult times. That's the bottom line, great people. Listen, the Apostle Paul spends all of 2 Corinthians 11 talking about we were, uh, we were thrown in prison, we were beaten, we were left for dead several times that there are so many people that are going through things and and sometimes we don't appreciate the fact it's in these moments that we actually find out what's inside of us. It's in these moments that we actually begin to see what's going on on the inside. God's grace and blessing doesn't mean that life is gonna be easy, does it? God's grace and blessing, there's a promise of of, 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 of grace. There's a promise of his power, his presence, his favor. But that doesn't mean we're not gonna go through some rough patches. But it's always better with God on your side. Can you say amen? amen? Even at home, can you say amen? This is the reality. When your life is founded upon the rock, when Christ Jesus is inside of you, when he's within you, when he's working through you, it doesn't mean life is easier, but it's always better because he's real and he's good and his promises are true. Thank God that impartation is very real, a very real kingdom principle. The laying on of hands, relationship, sowing seed, and kind acts of service, creating what the Bible talks about as a covenant connection, where the overflow of someone's life can begin to come down on your life, and so on, and it keeps going and going. Now, in the text, as Jesus says to the team, to the disciples, let's cross over to the other side, If Jesus says we're crossing over, we will get to the other side. When Jesus says we're crossing over, let us cross over to the other side. In that statement is the very power within itself to create the manifestation. Jesus said have the God kind of faith. And when Jesus says we can cross over, we're going to get on the other side of this storm. When the storm hits, they know they're going to the other side. They know that there's going to be an end to this storm because Jesus had just said it, even if he, even if he was asleep in the boat. In the context of, our, uh, of, of this passage, let's remember that this field trip occurs immediately after Jesus' teachings on the ways of the kingdom of God. Mark, the fourth chapter, is powerful. It's about the way that the seed is spread upon all different kinds of soil it's the way that the kingdom of god works it's it's about this whole unfolding thing and then they go on this field trip they actually go out in and get in the boat and many scholars most scholars believe that there's a reason that this is connected that jesus now takes them out and says okay let me show you what it's going to be like the problem is they didn't get it they didn't know it was a pop quiz based on what they were just taught. And I found myself thinking during this pandemic, I wonder how many of us actually realize what kind of testing is going on inside of us. What kind of things are happening within us and all the challenges are for a reason. God didn't do this, but he takes the moment and he works it and turns it together for our good. Every time you and I go through something it's a setup for something greater. On one level, there's this demonstration in Mark's gospel of Jesus' power over nature itself. You know, Jesus did, um, in one of the gospels, I think somebody counted like 35 different miracles. Some were physical miracles. Some were even raising the dead. This was a miracle over nature. This was the creator showing his dominion over the creation this was jesus showing off that yes he can heal your body yes he can heal your mind and your soul yes he wants to save you but by demonstrating his power over nature itself he shows us who god is and reminds us of god's power on another another level this is a parable of discipleship this is the test after the teaching this is the exam after the master, the teacher, has been teaching and saying, here's what we're going to do. We're going on, and Jesus is going with us. Verse 36 says this, they took along Jesus in the boat as he was. I get pondering that. What, what does it mean, as he was? Was he not dressed for the occasion? You know, what, what's the deal? They took him as he was, and I just started realizing, at the end of the day, they Sometimes you, you know, we sing the song just as I am about people giving our lives and God meeting us where we are. But sometimes we got to meet him with our faith where he is. And they took him along in their boat just as he was. They didn't take him along with pretense, with fake, with, this is not a religious game to them, okay? This is Jesus in the boat, Jesus in the vessel. Jesus is with us. And so they get in the boat to cross over. And the other part that I found interesting was the Bible says, and other little boats were part of the flotilla. Other little boats went along with them. We don't hear about that sometimes. I know I've said many times, and I'll probably say it at the end of this message it's Jesus in your boat or whatever floats your boat. But here's the deal there were people that didn't have Jesus in their boat that the Bible says went with Jesus because of his word. They went with Jesus because he said, let us cross over the other side. And there was only enough people that the governor would allow into the boat. Sorry, that's a different, that's a different story, but anyway. So what happened was they, they, they get together and, and they, they took other boats. Other people said, I wanna go, I wanna go. They didn't get a, speci- a specific word. Hey, come with me in my boat. They didn't have Jesus in the boat, but they had God's, they had Jesus's word. They had the word, let us cross over to the other side. Wouldn't you be more scared if you didn't have Jesus in the boat? How safe and secure these men must have felt at the moment. I'm in a boat. I'm I'm with Jesus. And we're going to the other side of this lake. Life is good. We're doing well. Economy's going. Everything's up. And then suddenly life takes a serious turn. When the Bible shifts in one verse and just says, and a great windstorm arose. A great windstorm arose. It was big. It was no small, this was no small rain. This was was a windstorm. This was a mess. Out of the night, choppy waves started, the Bible says, beating the boat. That's what it literally says, beating the boat into the boat fills with water. Now remember, most of these young men are professional sailors and fishermen. They should not be freaked out by a little water on a boat. So when they get upset, you know, this is a this is monumental. How many times in the last 68 days have you said, "This is unthinkable. This can't be happening. This is weird. This is impossible. What am I supposed to do?" How many times have you just thought, this is, the world was just going along and everything seemed really good for the most part, except for, I told you a few weeks ago, my wife kept saying to me in February, she said, something's got to give here. Everybody is overwhelmed. Everybody I know, she said, is overwhelmed. We're all working too hard. We're doing too much. Something's got to give here. Who knew that the whole world was gonna feel this thing like we felt it? The unimaginable became the unthinkable. How bad must things be going if the pros, if the professional fishermen and the sailors are freaking out? I'm real good on a plane. Now my wife doesn't really care for turbulence, even little turbulence, right? It's like turbulence. Yeah, she doesn't like roller coasters. I like roller coasters. So the turbulence for me, for the most part, is fun. Until, until I've been on airplanes many times where you see flight attendants starting to freak out. When you see flight attendants freaking out, you know it's time to be nervous. And that's exactly, Pastor Lindsay and I were, I haven't told this for a long time, but we were on a plane from upstate New York, like um, I think Syracuse or, or Rochester Airport, and we were flying down before, this is right after the, the um, oh, what was that name of that company that merged with Southwest that was out of Atlanta? Anybody remember that? Anyway, whatever it was, Value Jet or something like that, I think it was Value Jet. Anyway, it was a value, all right. Um, Got cheap tickets and almost didn't get home. But anyway, on the flight back, we were coming in and just starting to come in and approach Orlando when the, we, saw, we saw people freaking out. We saw flight attendants like running around and P.L. and I were sitting with a middle seat between us at the exit row an older couple on the other side, uh, they were sitting in the exit row with a seat between them. And the co-pilot comes back <laughs> And between our exit row seats, he lifts up the floor and he has a flashlight. And I'm thinking, you, you know, if, if this is squirrels under there, like rotating in a, you know, trying to get it, come on, come on, come on. I mean, so, so we're nervous anyway. Well, then they start training us. They said, well, uh, we are, and we, have, we flew right past Orlando. We went, wound up down South Florida and then turning back. They said, our landing gear doesn't seem to be down. So we're going to have to do an emergency landing. So we're going to train you on an emergency landing. And they said, now, and then they come to us. Is, it, is this not true? Uh, every word is true of this. This is not hyperbole, okay? This is, it's not evangelistically speaking. This is true. So they come to me and PL and the other couple and they said, okay, now, as soon as we land... You're in charge because if we crash, then you're going to, have to pull this door off. Read the instruction manual again. And we're going to pull this door off and then you're going to help people out and you're going to be, you're going to lead us. I'm like, didn't we pay you to lead us? <laughs> and luckily, Pastor Lindsay said to me, he goes, thank God I got a promise. I said, what's your promise? He said, God promised me because I was so afraid of flying when I was young. You're never going to die or go through a plane crash or any kind of transportation. I said, I got that same promise from you now. <laughs> I like that promise. And then they, then they said, okay, now we're gonna come through as we're coming down and we're gonna yell raised heads down and over and over again. They're gonna say it, they're, they're gonna say it for five minutes, raised heads down. And they said, they said, now everybody practice putting your head between your legs and wrapping your, your hands around your knees and locking your hands in place behind your knees. And I said, and kiss your butt goodbye is what I said. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? And I, th- I was like, are you kidding me? So now they're doing it. And now we're coming in and now we're seeing on the Orlando airport fire trucks and ambulances. And we're, and PL and I, here's the, here's the fun part. Now it turned out the other couple were pastors also <laughs> from uh, Temple Terrace or someplace, Wesley Chapel down, in, down by Tampa. And they were pastors too. And so Pat, P.L. and I started saying really loud, boy, because people were like freaking out. Like people were gripping the armrest of their chair or like ripping the arms off their husband or their wife. They were, I mean, they were gripping like this. People were scared. And, and, and uh, I, I said, boy, Lindsay, I'm sure glad I'm saved. How about you? <laughs> and we started leading people to Christ on the plane. Why? They just told us we were in charge. <laughs> they gave us permission. It's a true story. So they said, you're in charge. So we just started leading people to Jesus. And people were just pre- And I said, if you just want to pray right now, and people like, they're bent over like this. And I hear people praying. They're praying, And Jesus come into my life. And as soon as we hit the tarmac, it turned out the light bulb had gone off in the cockpit. The the wheels were there. Everything was fine. Or at least angels took us. I, don't, I never figured out the wheels. They were, it was just like, a, it was a good landing. We were fine. But I'm telling you, when we sang this song earlier, we're blessed when we go out and when we come in. We're blessed when we go out of this building, when we go into our home. We're blessed. But you got to clean those blessings at times and say, you know what? This is a crazy moment. It's a storm. But we're going to be Okay. And those flight attendants, boy, when they get rattled, that's the time to get nervous. But I'm still going to be nervous enough to turn from God. I'm going to turn to him and lead everybody else. Let's move on. The son of man was sleeping on a pillow in the stern. That's what the Bible says. In the stern, when I started reading about, well, what's the stern? What's the stern of the boat? You know what? It's where they're supposed to be steering. It's in the back of the boat where they're supposed to be steering. Jesus is steering the boat from sleep. And they wake him up. Here's the other side of fear, doubt, and unbelief. I don't know what you've said during this time, but these people said, these disciples, these later to be apostles. Now remember, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet, so they're still under the old covenant, okay? They're not under the new covenant. They're they're learning about grace, but they're not under grace. They're under law. And they say, this is how they wake Jesus up. Teacher. Don't you care that we're dying? Don't you care that we're going through something? It'd be nice if you actually did something right now. Who among us has never questioned God during a crisis? Where are you? Don't you care? That's what they said. Where are you? Don't you care that we feel like we're dying here? Don't you care that the whole world is in time out? And they didn't call him Lord. They didn't call him master. They called him teacher. You know, the way you receive him is the way you experience him. And in that crisis moment, they didn't call him Lord. They said, good teacher. It doesn't feel like you're doing anything, but he was. As humans, we often have such abandonment issues, don't we? The promise is Emmanuel, God with us. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Isaiah 43 verse two, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, God says. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. Doesn't mean you want to take on some water in your boat, but they will not overflow. You're not going to drown. When you walk through the fire, not if. When you pass through the waters, not if. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame even scorch you. The promise is more than companionship or compassion or comfort. The promise is, don't you know, I am. Don't you know, I am will be with you. Don't you know, as in the great I am, as in when Moses said, who do I say is sending us and is who, who's gonna deliver us? Who are you, God? He said, tell him, I am. God is with us and he loves us. We're supposed to have a little video here and I don't think we have time for it. We're just gonna keep going, okay? We're not gonna do the Melfi's video. I hope you're enjoying the now 30 uh, videos every day out on social media of people from around the world. What's blessed me. I mean, we literally, when we started this church, we didn't know anybody internationally. We just had a promise from God, you're gonna go to the nation's you're gonna impact the nations. And to see these precious, wonderful people from literally around the world, part of our celebration, it's blessed me, no end. It will show it next week or sometime this week. Let's be real. We can all feel scared and adrift during a life storm, can't we? Don't we all feel adrift at times? Didn't, when was a, it, listen, if you didn't have a couple of moments in the past 68 days saying, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to believe. They sure aren't getting the story straight on the news. I mean, every state has been in confusion. Around the country, God's, in in many states, the church, the houses of worship have been considered non-essential services. Are you kidding me? Non-essential services? but whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. It's human nature to feel scared and adrift, but Jesus, when he got up, he spoke to the wind. In fact, in in Mark chapter four, there's another passage in another gospel that shares this story from a different perspective, and it doesn't bring this point up, but Mark does, that Jesus gets up and doesn't deal with the disciples right away. He deals with with the wind. He deals with the storm itself and he speaks to it He doesn't just create up and criticize or condemn his people. He simply says to the seas, I'm awake now, peace, be still. And the Bible says the wind ceased and there was a, remember when I said there was a great windstorm? The Bible says there was a great calm. That shows me that equally the goodness of God will come forth to the struggle that you felt he's going to show up. If you, if you go through a great storm, he's going to give you great peace Amen. on the other side of it. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Jesus calms every storm, but he wanted the disciples to do it. When he said, what happened to your faith? He was trying to get them to exercise their kingdom authority in that situation to speak to the storm for themselves because he just kept telling them about the seed of the word. The seed is the word and the word goes forth and it produces life in some 30, 60, 100 fold. The word is the seed. The seed is the word. It'll go forth and it will change. It's the kingdom. It's the key to the kingdom. But still they panicked. Rest assured he will turn your storm into a calm. This too shall pass. Say Amen so he immediately turns the storm into a school. Now, I know some of you have been teaching your own kids, and you feel like school and storm are one. I want you to know we have a whole new appreciation for our teachers, don't we? Would you give it up for teachers and administrators and people, those of you in the school system? Amen. Amen. Jesus turns the storm now into a school. As soon as the peace and calm come, he turns it into a discipleship class. He turns it into next steps, 101, know God, okay? We are now at a discipleship moment, he says. The lesson, fear allows the effects of the storm to get worse. Fear makes it worse. Fear activates the enemy, just as faith activates God couple more things and I'm done. This Greek word for fear here, where the Bible says, when Jesus said, um, why are you so fearful? The Greek word there means timidity or intimidation that makes you cowardly. Timidity or intimidation makes you cowardly. So when he rebukes their, their fear, it's not because they're afraid of what's going on. It's because, it, it's because they internalize it and actually get cowardly about it. They actually get to the place where they are um, shrinking away from what God called them to do. Interestingly, in the next verse uses the word fear again, but it's a different Greek word altogether. The next verse says, and they feared exceedingly. After Jesus rebukes the waves and the winds and then says to them, Where? What happened? Where, you know, why didn't you why are you so fearful? Where is your faith? It says, and they became exceedingly fearful. It sounds like they went to the next level, but it's a different word. It's a completely different Greek word. Here's what it means in the second part where it says, and they felt this. They felt, it means to be struck with amazement and reverential awe, producing obedience. There's one fear that makes you a coward. There's another fear, the fear of the Lord that is clean and perfect and right. Right. And that kind of fear actually activates your obedience. It produces worship in you, Pastor Lindsay. It makes the worship come out of you. Quite simply, a turning point happens in this one verse, and yet it says fear, fear, but they're not the same fear. The fear changes. The fear shifts and goes from tears to fears because everybody wants to rule the world. And if you don't know that, it's because you're not of a certain age. Anyway, understand that this amazement came and the awe came. And we'll finish with this. Their response in worship, who can this be? They thought they knew him. Are you hearing me? They thought they knew him. They had just, they just heard, the, they had heard these great teachings on the kingdom. They knew he was a great man of God. They knew he was a prophet of God. He said he was the son of God. But when push came to shove, they didn't really believe it because they hadn't experienced it. And in this moment, they said, "Who? who is this? We underestimated Jesus. They were blown away by the manifested presence and that's the issue. Who can this be? And I wanna say this, who is this to you? Because to as many as received him, he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God. Is he a teacher, a prophet, a priest, a king, or is he the Christ? What's the takeaway? The takeaway is, You're not who you used to be before this crisis. Neither are you yet who you're becoming on the other side of it. But you're somewhere on the journey, aren't you? And it's time for you to cross over and get to the other side of this storm. Spiritually, financially, mentally, emotionally, physically, by the power of God, it's time. It's time to get on the other side. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying everybody needs to come to church next Friday night. I'm so excited to see you. I mean, this is way more than I thought would be here the first night. So thankful. Some of, some of our precious folks have been saying that, you know, some of our senior folks are saying to me that their children are them, making them stay home and stay grounded. And I think it's because they, you grounded your kids so many times when they were young. Now the kids are dr- grounding the parents. Or should I say grinding? I don't know. But anyway... See, the fact is that wherever you are is where you are. I know where my faith is. I know where our family's at. I don't know where yours is. And you have to come back as you feel comfortable, as you feel led by the Holy Spirit, as you feel safe. I hope everybody in the room, did you feel safe tonight? You feel safe? Just a few moments, Pastor Chris is going to have you exit row by row just so there's a little more safety. Outside, you can visit six feet apart. Hope you will but understand there are some people that are still scared. Right now, they're still saying we shouldn't have kids in a special children's area, why? Because there's no such thing as social distancing with a five-year-old, right? It it doesn't exist, you can tell them all day long. My my youngest grandson, Caden, I can tell him all day long, don't run around the pool, don't run around the pool. He runs around the pool. Whatever, here's the thing. We may have a service in a a couple of weeks for children with their parents, maybe an evening time, and have our whole children's team doing something up here instead of me, and do stuff for children with their parents for uh, a shorter service or something. We don't know. We're just trying to think outside the box and make sure we're meeting everybody where they are, because we know everybody's at a different place during this, and that's okay. Just don't let your fear make you a chicken. Let your fear put you in worship and reverential awe of God unto obedience. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Holy Spirit, would you move in this time? Would you change, change us? the way you changed those disciples and turned everything from from a place of fear and cowardice. Give us the fear of the Lord. Let us respect and be in awe of our God. In Jesus' name. Now Lord, I pray for everybody watching and everybody in this room. I pray that your spirit would be enlarged, that your capacity would be enlarged through this time. There's a great promise somewhere in the Psalms, one the translation says, it comes up in my spirit. <clears throat> through times of great stretching, you have enlarged my capacity. That's what's in my spirit right now. Maybe you didn't know that God was enlarging you. He is. Why? Because he loves you. And through this, listen, we're going to the other side of this, guys. We're going to the other side. Why? Because Jesus said we are. He's not gonna leave us. He's not gonna forsake us. We've been through the hardest part. And we're still here. And God has still been faithful. Can't you trust him more than you could before going into this? Can't you trust him more He's worthy. Give him your life. Open your heart to him. Repent of the timidity, the intimidation factor. Repent. That's what the disciples did. They changed their fear from one thing to another thing. They repented. They changed. I call you to change in Jesus' name. Give your heart to him. If you don't know him, you can know him right now before we leave this room before you turn off that YouTube or website or however you're watching us. There's a moment where you say, I surrender. I give up. I will serve you. Teach me to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.